run Rommel's looking like he's got one more good run Zip's a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Everything you need is here under the sun Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. My name is Jeff Fuller. I've been breeding dogs for over 20 years and it is my passion. We love putting best friends in people's homes and selling them that dream. That dream of riding the truck next to you, running around the field on a hunt, or just being a best friend at your house. If you're looking for a high-quality Labrador Retriever puppy, please check our website out as www.soggyacres.com or you can call me at 262-215-9683 or email me sportingdogtv at gmail.com. Remember, whether it's yellow, black, or chocolate, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Here at the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are all about the dogs. As our listeners, we want to thank you all for listening. We want to ask you a favor. Please give us a five-star rating. Give us a thumbs up. Share us with your friends. If you can support us financially, go to Anchor Support and support us there. We are only as strong as our fans and your help that you give us where we are going to spread our love for dogs and dogs in the field. Please share it to your friends and family. Please help us grow. Thank you again so much for listening to us. God bless. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I am your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers, and we have a great show on stage for today. What we're going to talk about is I put a post up, and it was a picture of one of my own personal training dogs that I had out. Uh, The owners wanted a picture. I took one. It was a really cute picture. Dog was looking up at me, really caring. We were having a great day. Dog was learning. Put the picture onto our Facebook page and the vitriol and hatred because the dog had a prong collar on it. I cannot tell you, one, how disappointed I am in society that people would think you should threaten someone's safety over a dog training technique that they don't understand. Two, to threaten people that are trying to educate them on that post. And three, just the overall hatred. I know it's social media. I know that's what it's devolved into for many that you are keyboard warriors and you will go on and you will try to pick fights about stuff. Not talking about you that's listening, but just in general, that's their attitude. But at the same time, it doesn't stand with me. It doesn't stand on our platforms. And it's not something that I will run from because of the fact that it is a training method. It is a great training tool. So we removed those people that were full of the hatred and vitriol off the page. But at the same time, there are still people that were irked or upset by it. So let's have a discussion. Let's talk about the use of a prong collar in obedience training and why it works. We're also going to talk in the second part about obedience training for the dog tips. And then in the last part, we're going to talk about for the hunting uh, issue is the importance of warm weather footwear. And I'm going to talk personally about my hunting and how I overpie everything because of what I had when I was young.
So let's get to the prong collar and actually hit this head on. Again, if what I say upsets you, that's fine. You either need to scroll by it or not listen to it. But if you're going to think that I am going to change or you're going to cancel me because of a method that I use to properly train dogs and that I've used for 20 years, you're really barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, I know, dog pun. With a prong collar, they do look very aggressive. You've got this collar with the big spikes on them. It's got a like a choke type of a setup, choker chain type setup, where it relaxes and then where it's pulled tight, it puts pressure on the dog's neck. So let's talk about why it works. When I first was doing training, I used the classic choke collar. If you see people that have the just the, the chain choke collar, there's always something that is very similar. The dogs are constantly choking themselves no matter what age. They are walking and pulling and gasping for air because it doesn't correct the dog enough. Now, we can get into the discussion on how to properly train a dog, but you do need to have a negative consequence. You have to have something where it happens, the dog understands the boundary, and then you use, when the dog does the command correctly, over-the-top praise so that you are changing the dog's behavior. You're modifying their behavior. You're taking what they are bred for, which is that willingness to please that all good quality breeders put into their dogs, and you're having them strive for that as opposed to being self-employed. That is something that you have to have. And I know many people get into the, we shouldn't use a choke collar, pinch collar, or electric collar. You shouldn't do anything that hurts a dog. These are people that have dogs that can never be off leash or have small dogs. When you have a large dog, they need to be under control. You can't have a dog that is going to pull so hard that it hurts somebody, jumps on somebody and knocks them over so it hurts them, or for the dog's own safety, runs away, runs into the road and gets struck by a vehicle. These are the things you've got to look at. And I know that many will say they've never used one in their training, which Full value, full face value. I normally don't use them in my own dog's training because they're my dogs and I've worked with them as puppies. I've worked with them and I had them under control. But when you were doing training or if you lacked training when the dog was younger, that is a big powerful animal and they have had a track record and a timeline where they have constantly pulled and that is just what they do. So you have to correct it. Why? a prong collar works. When you are working with dogs, I will get in, I probably do, I would say about 15 gun dogs a year and anywhere between 50 and 100 obedience dogs in a year. You get dogs in and generally they are pretty much out of control. The prong collar works because when the dog lurches, you don't have to do anything because the collar puts the pressure on the dog themselves. The dog is smart enough, once they have corrected themselves several times, that they understand, when I lurch like that, it sucks. So then what you need to do is, you've got your negative, you need to have far more positive. You need to have where the dog is like, but boy, when I walk at heel, my goodness, he pets me on the head, he tells me I'm a good dog. When, I, when he tells me to sit and I sit, 
I get told that I'm wonderful. You repeat these commands as you're doing what you're as you're doing your training over and over again, even if the dog is doing it. For instance, if you're walking with a dog at heel, it's heel, good dog, heel, good, heel, good dog, heel. If the dog lurches ahead with a pinch collar, they put the pressure on themselves. And then you tell them, no, heel. You bring them back, you reassure them to where they are supposed to be, and then work with them at heel as you walk. I will get dogs in, and it is always where people are incredibly upset because their dog is just out of control. Within two days, I'll have their dog walking at heel for me. Now, would it for them? Probably not, and that's why the dog's with me. But it would be to the point where if I worked with them, I could get the dog there, but it's just easier, and it's it's how I prefer to train, that I keep the dogs, and we do it for three weeks. So the first week, we're working with the prong collar on the dog only and a dummy e-collar. Why a dummy e-collar? Because we're doing something called collar conditioning as well. And you you want to start where the collar's on the dog and they don't understand that the dog that, that an electric collar is shocking them. Once we get to the point of week two, we transition to where we start using the prong collar at the same time as the e-collar because, again, we're putting that pressure on their neck so that it is something the dog understands as a negative consequence and something they don't want. And then we give them a ton of praise. And then as we transition through week two, we go into where we only use an e-collar. And by the third week, we are off lead. We're walking at heel. We're taking commands and we're doing everything. Only being reinforced when we are not performing the commands with the e-collar. I had several people that bragged about all the dogs they've trained and they've never had to use one. I'm not discounting that. There are many training methods out there. But as a group and as a society of dog trainers and people that own dogs, this whole cancel culture thing, it's got to stop. To say that somehow I'm abusing animals when I love dogs and I love my job and I love working with my clients is complete BS. And if you have something to add to the to the topic, then you know what? You tell me how you would walk a dog and teach a dog to walk at heel when the dog has injured someone because it pulled them off their feet. You tell me how you would work with a dog to get them under control where the dog runs away whenever it is not on lead. Work with dogs that are at the point of no return with clients and then tell me how you would fix it. There are many training methods. Mine work. Mine are taking the dog, giving them structure, and then teaching the owners how to apply that structure. I have had dogs that were, we were the last stop. The dog was basically headed to be put down because the dog was so out of control. The people tried using only positive methods and it just didn't work with their dog. So we got the dog in, taught them structure, and within three weeks, they had their dog where the dog was successful and happy, and they were happy. I remember one time I had a, uh, a lady call me, and she was crying. She said that the dog was going to lead to a divorce and was telling me all the terrible things that this dog did to the point where, I'm not going to lie, I was thinking, my goodness, what am I signing myself up for? She pulled into my yard, got the dog out, and it was about a 45-pound black Labrador, black Labrador retriever female. She was fighting with the dog, trying to get it out of the car. She had, I believe, a gentle leader or something on the dog. 
I went over, I grabbed the dog by the muzzle, not hard, grabbed it by the muzzle just so I could control its head, put my other head, uh, hand around its neck, sat the dog down, looked at it and said, sit. The dog had this look like, holy crap, this person's actually going to stand up to me. I looked at the lady and said, don't hire an attorney, I'll fix your dog. And to this day, still get her comments about how happy she is with the dog. I've had dogs. I had a dog in where the couple could not have people over to their house, where if they wanted to go to their parents' house at the lake, they would have everyone call and not show up because the dog was so out of control. And it was a sad thing. Worked with the dog. I still get comments and still get pictures at Christmas about how wonderful the dog is and how happy they are. Again, we have to understand that it's not always the perfect dog that you're getting in for training. And if you're a professional trainer, you rarely get a perfect dog in for training. You're always getting a dog that's got issues. So you have to put the dog in a position where there is pressure on them, but then show them how to turn that pressure off and show them how to be successful and how to work within structure. So as you look at that, and as you look at different training options, realize there are many different programs. But this cancel cancel culture crap where we're going to try to say that people are abusing animals because they're doing obedience training with their dog, it just doesn't work. I still remember I had someone on a Facebook Live back when we did those who was from England and told me that e-collars, electric collars, were looked at as abuse in England. And I said, really? I said, they're, they're abuse. He's like... Well, yeah, you can put them on the dog, and if it's the wrong person, they can use way too much electrical stimulation on the dog. And I said, I understand that. That that is absolutely something anyone can use something to abuse. So then I asked him, what if the person, because they've, they've, they've outlawed collars, I asked, what if the person decided that they were going to throw a rock at the dog whenever it did anything wrong? He said, I don't understand. He said, do we then go after the rock? Do we make rocks illegal? Point being, if it is a person that is abusing the animal, one, they might not know it, so we need to correctly train them and teach them. And that's what this podcast and our pages are about. But two, if they've got it in their mind that they're going to hurt that animal, that is just who they are. It's not the training collar. It's not the prong collar. It is not the leash. It is the person. So that is what you need to have in mind. That is the conversation that adults need to have. And again, if you don't agree with my podcast, you can waste your breath on it and try to tell me that I'm wrong and abusive. Go ahead. You're not going to get anywhere. I do what's best for the dogs and the clients. And we work within structure. And that's what many good trainers do. Try to get to the point with everything in training where we can discuss things so we can be more successful and so that we can talk about different training methods. I am always learning something, whether it is dog training or hunting. I am never so egotistical and arrogant that I would say I know everything. Yes, I have done a lot in my life as far as TV, as far as podcasts. I still look at myself as a regular guy because that's all I am. I am still learning. I am still perfecting. I am still trying different things so that I can be more successful working with my dogs and have happier clients. 
So I, I hope you guys like this part of the show. Again, this was a very passionate uh, conversation we had on our Facebook page. There were numerous, numerous people that I completely blocked off the page. We do have the picture of the dog with the prong collar on it as part of the, or as the, the tile for this episode. So again, listen to what I said. If you have to listen to it twice, go ahead. But again, this is a good training method. And when we're looking at abuse, it's not the method, it's the person. So I hope you guys enjoyed this part of the show. Next up, we're going to talk about obedience training and why it is the first and most important part of your training. All that and more coming up after this. For the last 10 years, I've bought all my vehicles from the Boucher Automotive Group in Janesville. If you want to get a great Ram truck or a great Ford truck, my son actually bought a used Chevy truck from them. They have fair prices, they have a knowledgeable, honest staff, and they really stand behind their products. You can go on their websites, frankbouchercrysler.net or gordyboucherford.com and find out the inventory they have. Again, I know everyone's saying that it's so hard to find a vehicle, We've bought three vehicles this year during a time that, quote-unquote, you can't find them. They have what you need, and they're a great company to work with. Check out Boucher. They ride with you every mile. If you're a serious person about the outdoors, or you love shooting, or you just want a great hobby, or all of the above, you need to check out Mech Outdoors. From their shot shell and metallic reloading to their clay target machines, you will get a quality product that will give you so much more enthusiasm about your participation in the outdoors and also a great hobby that you can do with the whole family. Check out mechoutdoors.com for more. Welcome back to the show. So now that I'm off my soapbox on the title of prong collars, I thought we would talk about just obedience in general. Every time I send puppies home, if I don't say it first, the question is, what do I work on training right away? And it all comes down to obedience. With puppies, it is your crate training so that you can get them house broke. It is teaching them no. It's not letting them bite. And then that transitions to where we're doing the healing while on leash, sitting, coming to their name or the hear command, kenneling when they're told to kennel. These are all so important <laughs> regardless of if you have a pet or if you have a dog that you're going to run competitively because it all starts there. You have to build that foundation that gives the dog structure for both parties, for yourself as well as for the dog. If you have a dog that is out of control and is counter surfing and can't be walked and jumping on people and embarrassing you, you're not going to enjoy your animal. You are going to be frustrated. You are not going to be training. You'll be more punishing. And there is a difference. When we are talking about training, it is giving a correction to a dog when it is doing an unwanted behavior or not doing a command that you're asking of them. When it is punishing, it is that frustration where the dog has just gotten you to the end where you are upset. Punishment does not work. Training does. So we have to look at it and we have to go... Let's do our obedience first. Get your dog under control. 
teach them structure, teach them boundaries, and you will have a much better pet. If you're going to move on and you're going to work on something in a competitive nature, whether it's doing barn hunts or hunt tests or field trials or I don't so many other things. There's I, I can't think of the the one where they run through the loops and around the around the poles. You can do all that good stuff. You have to start with obedience because if you start with it, then when you get to where you're teaching them these things, the dogs will have a base built and it won't have to be taught at a later date. It's also when you start with your dog with obedience when they're young, it is much easier because they are a little piece of putty in your hands. Once they go self-employed and they understand they can get away with stuff, you have to use more pressure to get them under control. So again, you have to have a negative, you have to have a positive, but you have to use those as a training method and not a punishment method. And you will have a much better time with your dog. The dog will have a much better attitude with you and you will really enjoy them and understand why so many people want to have a dog. Hope that helps with this training tip. Next up, we're going to talk about my experience when I was young and why I overbuy on footwear. All that and more coming up after this. I am going to be the first to admit that sometimes kennels are kind of unsightly in the house. My wife for years was telling me how we needed to find something that wasn't just a kennel, but a piece of furniture. She showed me DCT kennels a long time ago, and we finally got with them, and we have partnered with them as a sponsor for Sporting Dog Adventures. DCT kennels is more than a kennel. It's a piece of furniture. It is high quality, American-made, and something you need as a focal point in your home. For more information, check out dctkennels.com. You will not be disappointed. Happy holidays from our sponsors at Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. With Trupanion's Breeder Support Program, breeders can gift their buyers a special offer of Trupanion policy coverage when they pick up their new puppies. If you're a breeder like me, it's a great way to give you and your buyers peace of mind. To learn more and sign up for Trupanion's free breeder support program, visit trupanion.com breeder and be sure to tell them that Sporting Dog Adventure sent you. Welcome to the hunting tip portion of the show. I tell my kids all the time how spoiled they are. Actually, we're all spoiled. I have heated coats. I have boots that are minus 165 rated. I have waders that have 1,600 grams of thinsulate in them. I have warm clothes. I overbuy on my footwear. When I was a kid, there were Sorel boots, I believe is, is it was the main boot that we used for hunting when I was a kid, or Mickey Mouse boots, which were the old military boots that you basically were like an overcover over your regular boots. I had suffered through more hunts where I had cold feet that it really left an impression on me. It got me to the point where there was not any money I would not spend to keep myself warm. And that is whether you are field hunting for waterfowl, deer hunting, hiking. I want to have good boots so that I am warm, so that I do not have to feel that pain in my feet that I did when I was a kid. 
when I was a kid hunting in northern Wisconsin, uh, we only did deer hunting and we only did gun hunting. When I would go out gun hunting, I could usually make it until maybe about 930. And my feet were just dying. I was in pain. Now I have boots where I can sit there all day. And if my toes get a little cold, I just sit down and wiggle them and they warm right back up. There is nothing more degrading to your hunt than having cold feet. So make sure that you have good footwear. If you're hunting in the mountains and you're hiking or you're mobile, you have to have a balance of a boot that is going to have some insulation, but also uh, not too much so that you uh, you sweat. You got to find the right boots for the right situation or the right waders for the right situation so you can truly enjoy your time in the field. So that would be my hunting tip for you today. Find good footwear. That is it for this week's show. I want to thank you for stopping in. Really enjoyed uh, this episode and enjoyed the feedback that we got that led to this episode. We are, uh, we're a show that is built on our overall community. We want to grow dog training, hunting with dogs in the field and promote responsible pet ownership. That is what my goal has always been. I get to provide people with their dream, having side acres retrievers, and we try every to try to make sure every client achieves that dream. So please keep listening in. If you have anything you'd like to add or anything you would like uh, answered, send me an email, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. We love to interact. We love to have extra topics. Thank you again so much for listening to this week's show. Everyone have a great week and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.